0: <laughs> and laughs Theater of the Mind The best love programs from radio's golden age Only on Zoomer Radio Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor Well, thank you and welcome to the show Now, once again tonight, I'm simply going to walk to the back of the studio To sit in that comfy old leather chair And listen in along with you to another creepy tale featuring The Shadow. And tonight's episode, it's entitled Ghost Town.
1: The Shadow starts his thrilling adventure. But first, a word about this invisible enemy of the underworld. The Shadow, the mysterious character who aids the forces of law and order, is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. As the Shadow, he is the mortal enemy of all those who would work evil upon their fellow men. Cranston is gifted with the hypnotic power to cloud men's minds so that they cannot see him. This hypnotic power is the result of years of research in the mystical Orient. The shadow does not bear a charmed life. Yet he defies death in all its forms to aid mankind. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the shadow belongs. Today's story: Ghost Town. Well, there it is, Miss Lane. It's Cranston, right there below it. At the famous old coal mining town of Bat Creek. Well,
2: it certainly looks authentic, guys. See, Lamont is just like the movies.
1: Yes, Mother. That howling coyote probably wrecks the Wonder Dog. <laughs> uh, we better be traveling down the hill if you want to visit the town before dark. Here, get your boy. Come on. Come on. Now, guide, I understand that there's quite a story to be told about Bat Creek. Yes, sir. Yes, indeed. So at the end of the last century, Bat Creek was the rip-roaringest mining town west of the Mississippi. Man and boy, there ain't never been another place like it. Easy, boy.
2: Say, is the path this narrow all the way down the cliff?
1: Yeah, pretty near. It's
2: quite a sheer drop.
1: But if you just keep your horse close up to the side, ma'am, there ain't no danger of falling much. That's encouraging. Yeah. I reckon the thing Bad Creek's best known for is the time Elvarez, the Mexican bandit, shot his Aunt Paul sweetheart, Carmen Cedar. They read a song about that. Oh, yes, I know the song. It's almost as famous as Frankie and Johnny in American folklore. Yeah. Well, we better be getting down faster. It'll be dark soon. Oh, boy! Look out! Come on! Easy! Oh sorry, partner. I didn't mean to bump you, my horse just swerved there.
2: Well, Mont, you almost went over the side of the cliff.
1: Oh, don't be alarmed, ma'am. Man and boy, I ain't never seen no one go off here yet.
2: Well, man and boy, there's always a first time.
1: Yeah. Come on, come on. Is there anyone living in Bad Creek now? No, sir. Bad Creek's a ghost town. Ain't been a soul. Lived there for over 45 years. Except, of course, old Pop Evans.
2: Who's so Pop Evans?
1: He's an old track who run a hotel when Bad Creek was really operating. Then when the gold gave out and the miners deserted the town, Pop just hung on. Man and boy's been there ever since. Waiting for the town to be revived? Yeah, something like that. He's a bit pet now. Thinks his hotel is still thriving like it used to. (laughs) Well, here we are in the town. Oh, boy.
2: So this is ghost town. Gosh, look at those buildings, Lamont. They're almost falling to pieces.
1: Yes. The deserted streets so quiet. Yeah, we'll just take a quick run down the main street, folks, and get up to the hills again.
2: Oh, no. Let's really stay and explore the place. Well, of
1: course. Give us a chance to look around. Oh, no, no. You can't stay here. No, sir. Oh, well, why not? Pardon, when I told you Bad Creek was a ghost town, I didn't just mean it was a deserted village. It's really a town of ghosts.
3: What?
2: Well, what do you mean?
1: I mean that the ghosts of them who lived in Bad Creek when it was a gold mining camp have been seen here at night reliving their days of glory. There's been shootings and even dead bodies that weren't so pretty to look at that have been found in these lonely streets.
2: Well, that's all right, guide. You can't scare us. I can think of nothing more enjoyable than spending an evening with the Alvarez and his sweetheart, Carmen Cedar.
1: Yeah, there's been others who said the same things you're saying, ma'am. They spent a night here, too. The next day they was found raving mad or dead. Why, if you'd seen them folks like I'd seen them, their eyes popping, their faces all twisted like with fear, and them that we found alive wasn't like humans at all. You wouldn't believe it unless you'd seen it. Well, how do you feel about staying now, Margot?
2: Lamont, are you afraid to face the goats?
1: I was thinking of you.
2: Well, if you're thinking of me, you'll agree to stay.
1: Then it's settled. We stay. And you're staying alone, partner. I'll go up to the hills.
2: Well, where is this Pop Evans Hotel?
1: That's down the street a ways, ma'am. You'll see a sign. But look here, ma'am. Won't you change your mind? Man and boy,
2: I've... Man and boy, I've never met a ghost, and I'm not passing up the opportunity.
1: <laughs> well, there's your answer, guide. All right. I'll be back here in the morning. I must say that I'm expecting to find that both of you will have met up with the same fate as them others who dared to face the ghosts of Bad Creek. Well, this must be the place, Margot. Oh, fella. Can you read that sign?
2: What there is left of it. Evans Imperial Waldorf Grand Hotel. I wonder why I left out the risk.
1: He'll <laughs> tie the horses to the hitching post. All right. Yeah. All right. Down you come.
2: Uh, thanks. Come on. is not it gotten dark quickly?
1: Not uh, changing your mind about staying here, Margo?
2: No, of course not.
1: Well, then, shall we enter the Imperial Waldorf Grand Hotel?
2: Definitely. My lorgnette, if you please.
1: We are fresh out of lorgnettes, but I can give you my extra flashlight. It might be more useful.
2: <laughs>
1: I wish one of the ghosts
2: were fighting that coyote.
1: Might as well get used to it. Hey, Watch these steps on. Oh. Boards are all caved in.
2: Just imagine now what the rooms are like.
1: Yeah. Well, here's the door. You first, madame.
2: Thank you. Oh,
1: oh I'm sorry, Margot. <laughs> I neglected to notice that there were no hinges.
2: I don't see how any self-respecting ghost could live in a place like
1: this. Well, you know how ghosts are. Come on. Let's go inside. Uh, well,
2: I guess this is a... I mean, I guess this is a lobby.
1: Yeah. From the looks of things, we're the first guests to arrive since the gold miners left.
2: Look at the pictures on the wall. There's a covered with dust. You can't even see them. Come mm-hmm. so, on. Hmm? What are those shadows? Those shadows moving on the wall. <laughs>
1: Those are bats, my dear. Nice, playful bats. We're attracted by our flashlight.
2: I wish that coyote would howl again. He sounded so friendly compared to
1: this. (laughs) Not uh, frightened, are you, Margo?
2: Frightened? No, of course not. Why, I... Lamont! Someone over there standing in the corner. Where? Right there by the desk. Margo,
1: do you know what that is? No. That is one of the last survivors of a vanishing race. A cigar store Indian.
2: (laughs) A cigar store Indian?
1: Yes, Tomahawk and all.
2: Well, I... uh, Well, you can't blame me for being... You know, know, I've never met a cigar store Indian before.
1: Well, I'll see if I can arrange a formal introduction. uh, Big Chief Snaggletooth... Come on. Come
2: on. If that's another cigar store Indian coming down those stairs, it's the first one I've ever seen that walked.
1: That's an old man. That must be Pop Evans. Such an old man.
2: Long white
4: hair with wrinkled Good evening, partners. Good evening. Good evening. Welcome to the hotel. Thank you. You wish rooms, I presume?
1: Yes. Yes, we do.
4: Step over to the desk, please. Thank you. Watch out for that hole there in the floor. I've been telling the porter to fix it up, but he's just forgetful, I guess. Just forgetful.
1: Watch your stepmother. Don't worry.
4: Uh, here we are. Well, dust on the register. I'll have to speak to that clerk. He's getting careless, too. That's the way it is in the hotel business, you know. you got to watch them all the time. Blow this dust off. Oh, excuse me. More dust than I thought. I'll spin the register around and let you sign in, He needs oil. Sign right below that last name, please. Look, Lamont. That last registration was in 1895. Forty-five years ago. Uh, Well, you see, ma'am, business has been kind of slacking off lately. Yes, I would say you've been experiencing a lull.
1: There seems to be a slight difficulty here, Mr. Evans. uh, No ink in the well. In fact, there's no point in the pen either. No?
4: That's funny. I told that bellboy to always keep them pens in shape. Careless. Careless are all careless.
2: You use my pen, Lamont.
1: Thank you. We'd uh, like our rooms to be on the same floor, please.
4: Same floor? Oh, let me see. Yes, yes, I think I can accommodate you. You just come this way, please.
1: All right. Oh, uh, Mr. Evans, I, I understand that there are ghosts to be seen here in Bat Creek.
4: Oh, yes, yes. Elvarez, Carmen, Cheetah, all the old-timers. They're very good friends of mine. Uh, Up these stairs, please. Do you seriously believe that their spirits are still around, Mr. Evans? Believe? Why, ma'am, I've been seeing them for years. But I wouldn't be too curious about them if I was you. They ain't foreign to strangers. No, sir, not one bit. Now, this here room can be for you, ma'am. In your room, sir. He's just down the hall.
2: Oh, well, is it all right to go in? I mean,
4: has the room got a floor? Eh? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Go right in.
1: We can open our packs and have our supper in your room, Uncle. If you don't mind.
2: Mind if you think I'm going to stay? What's
1: that? Well, it's a piano and a woman singing.
4: Yes. Sounds like they started their evening's business at the Crystal Saloon. Well,
1: who are you talking about?
4: Uh, the spirits. That's Carmen Cedar singing now. Carmen Cedar? Uh, hey, if it disturbs you, I'll send word to the sheriff to have him tone it down. He's serious, Lord. He honestly believes that those are spirits that we're hearing. Ghosts of people who've been dead 40 or more years. Oh, she's got a sweet voice, ain't she?
1: No wonder Elvarez is so loco about her. Mr. Evans, where is the Crystal Saloon? Yes, down the street. Come on, Margo.
2: Where are you going?
1: To the Crystal Saloon. This is our chance to learn something of Mr. Evans' ghost. Well, singing, playing of stuff. Come on, Margo. We may still be in time to see them.
2: Well, I, I guess they're gone.
1: Yes. Peculiar behavior for ghosts. Well, there's the piano over there. Let's have a look at it.
2: Well, this this place is just as it must have been long ago. Why, well, there's still glasses on the bar, and the chairs are still set around the tables. If it weren't for the heavy dust, you'd almost believe that that they were open for business tonight.
1: Well, that's odd. What? The same heavy dust that you speak of is covering the keys of the piano, and yet we heard it play.
2: Was well, there another piano?
1: No. Not here in this. One. What was that? Let's find out.
2: Stop! Stop! He's riding up toward the hill.
1: Did you see him as he went past?
2: Not distinctly, no.
1: He was dressed in the costume of old Mexico. The
2: ghost of Alvarez.
1: Or someone pretending to be the ghost of Alvarez. Come on, we better see what happened at the hotel.
2: All right. Look, Lamont, On the hotel steps, there's a man lying there.
1: Yes. Let's hurry. Uh-huh.
2: Oh, Lamont, oh. He's writhing in pain. Mm. So shocked he took. Yes. Oh.
1: This man was the victim. I'd rather you didn't look at him, Margot.
2: Oh.
1: He's been shot through the head.
2: Oh. But he's still alive.
1: Oh. Yes. We'd better go in and find Pop Evans to mm-hmm. get some water and some bandages. Come on,
2: Margot. Oh. He certainly isn't one of the ghosts.
1: No. Ghosts never bleed. Mr. Evans. Mr. Evans? Yes. Oh. oh you're right here. Mr. Evans. There's been a man seriously wounded right outside your door. We must have some water and bandages, quickly. (laughs) Do you hear me, ma'am?
4: Yes, yes, I hear you. But don't get excited. Them's just my friends, the spirits, having a little fun.
1: Listen, Mr. Evans. If you'll just step outside and look, you'll see that this is not a spirit this time.
4: (laughs) Sure, sure, I'll come out and look. I've seen the same show a hundred times. But I'll look again. Sure, anything to please the customer. Now... Where is this mortally wounded individual?
1: Right. But well, he's gone.
4: A month. <laughs> well, are you satisfied?
1: No. No, I'm not a bit satisfied.
4: I suppose you'll be wanting to check out after this little scare.
1: Quite the contrary, Miss Evans. We're more determined than ever to spend the night here. And before morning, I personally guarantee you that we will have exploded for all time the legend of Bad Creek. Mm.
2: whole thing Lamont.
1: Well, Margot, one thing is certain. We're not dealing with ghosts. But who these Halloween artists are and what the purpose of their exhibition is, I still can't figure out.
2: Oh. Hm. Our friend again. You suppose he's part of the thing, too?
1: No. Just a voluntary helper.
2: They have a woman working with him. The one we heard singing in the Crystal Saloon.
1: Yes. I presume she's supposed to be the spirit of the lovely Carmen Sita.
2: And the man on horseback was dressed as Elvarez. Yes.
1: Yeah. Say, Carmen Cita, Elvarez. Margot, why didn't we think of this before? What? The events so far this evening have coincided with the verses of the song Elvarez and Carmen Cita. Remember it?
4: Yes.
2: Yes, in the first verse of the song, Carmen Theta is singing to the gold miners in the Crystal
1: Saloon. That's right. And in the second verse, Alvarez rides through the town and shoots his rival on the steps of the hotel. <laughs> now we have something to work on. All we have to do is wait for them to begin to enact the next verse.
2: Well, let me see, Lamont. What is that next verse? Oh. Alvarez and Cormacita and see uh, oh, Wait a minute.
1: That's it, that's it.
2: Later on that very evening, Down the main street he did ride Remember? Well, that's it, and in the third verse, Alvarez rides back to the Crystal saloon and shoots the girl.
1: Yes, yes, and in the fourth verse, the, uh... Fourth verse, the, uh... It's oh, funny, God. I can't remember it's a bit of it now.
2: Well, is that where the sheriff's posse hangs him?
1: No, 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 that's much later in the song. Uh,
2: yeah, then I don't remember it oh. either. Well, at least we know what's going to happen next.
1: You mean, happen now?
2: Shall we go to the Crystal saloon? No,
1: no, it's too late for that. They can stop before we get there. I'd rather investigate this thing... You wait right here in this room, Margo. Here?
2: Oh, Lamar. I'm I... sure
1: that nothing will happen to you, so please stay. I must do this alone.
2: Well, where are you going?
1: To Pop Evans' room. He's going to receive a visit from the shadow. there? Uh, you have company, Mr. Evans.
4: Wake up. No, wait till I light this lamp. Find time for college. <laughs> there. there we are now. Say, where are you? Didn't someone speak to me?
1: Yes, I spoke to you, Mr. Evans.
4: But I don't see you.
1: I'm standing right beside you can't see me because I've crowded your brain with my hypnotic power.
4: You, you mean you're invisible?
1: Invisible?
4: A, a ghost. A, a real ghost has come at last, eh? <laughs> I, I told him. I told him that. I told him that someday a real ghost would come along and spoil their little game. Well, I'm mighty glad you've come, Mr. Uh, uh.
1: Men call.
4: Uh, yes, yes, Mr. Shadow. I'm mighty glad you come. They're going to be sorry now, ain't they? You, you real ghost is going to give them a tussle, right? Who
5: are they, Mr. Evans?
4: They? Why, they's the ones that's been scaring folks with their pretending to be Elvarez and Carmen Cedar. Murderers, that's what they've been. Plain murderers.
1: But who are these people? What are their names?
4: Their names? Yes, yes. Why, you should know that. One of them
1: is... Mr. Evans.
4: It shocked me. Who? Oh, who was it? Mr. Penn. Mr. Penn. He's dead.
2: Is that you, Lamont?
1: Lamont. You little fool. Yes, it is useless to struggle, senorita. You are coming with me. We are leaving here.
2: Just me! Come on.
1: Stop biting me, you little spitfire. Now I shall take you for a little horseback ride, senorita. And make the most of it. It will be the last ride you will ever take. Then, Santo. Now, up we go. There you are. Come on. Shut up, you Come on, Santo. Hey! Come on.
2: Hey! Come on. Where are you taking?
1: Well, right now, senorita, we are in one of the tunnels at the single ace gold mine. And I don't think that you should hope anyone will find you here. This mine has been abandoned for almost 50 years. To this door, please. Step in the room.
2: Well, Alvarez, you brought back
1: company. <laughs> yes. I brought up one of the guests from the Evans Hotel.
2: Oh, mister Dane Dana's been nosing around all night? She's the one. That's the guy she had with her.
1: We'll return for him later. Where's Eddie? I'm right here. That man.
2: That's the one who was shot in front of a hotel.
1: <laughs> that's right, sister.
2: What's that wound in your
4: head. That was a little trick we learned from some Moby folks that was here once. Pretty good, <laughs> huh? It's not
2: too good. And I suppose this woman was the one who sang as Common cedar. Yeah. How'd you know? I'd recognize that off-key voice place. Say, another cracker! Like another... So I'm finally meeting the ghost of Bad Creek.
1: I guess you could call us that, Senorita.
2: Well, why don't you take off your mask, Alvarez, so I can see you, too?
1: I never take off the mask. Now,
2: well, why did you bring me here? What do you want of me?
1: We have decided, Senorita, that you should become one of us.
2: What part would I play in this ghost, did
1: Well, we have always felt that our performance would be more effective if we only had a corpse. A real corpse.
2: You mean, you mean that I, I
1: would be... Yes, senorita, you would be the corpse. No, no. And I think that you will give your first performance this very evening. We will exhibit you for your companion back in Bad Creek. Now, have you any preferences?
2: Preferences? What do you mean?
1: Well, would you rather have a bullet hole perhaps in your head? A real bullet hole this time, of course. Or would you prefer a knife?
2: No, let me out of here. You can't do this to me.
1: Since you won't make your own choice, senorita, I shall make one for you. A knife would be much more effective.
2: No, no.
1: Eddie, you will use your knife, please. You do those things so artistically. Okay.
2: Oh, no, let me go. Let me go.
1: Now, oh, now, it'll be all over in a second. No. Steady now. <laughs> drop that knife, Eddie. Huh? What? Let go of that girl and drop the knife. What? Who was that? I don't know. Since you won't drop the knife, I'll have to knock it out of your hand. Well, the knife was knocked out of my hand. I didn't see no one do it. What is this? What's going on?
2: That voice is right here in this room.
1: The voice is still here in the room. You needn't look around for me. I've used my hypnotic power so that you cannot see me. Who are you? I am called the Shadow.
4: The Shadow? I've heard of him.
1: Now, Mr. Alvarez, we shall remove your mask. No,
4: no, take your hands off me.
1: Now we see what you look like. How do you like it?
2: Why? Why, you're the guide who led Mr. Cranston
1: and me to Bad Creek. Well, what of it? Why have you tried to frighten people away from Bad Creek? What secret have you here? You've been willing to resort to murder to protect. We like to be alone, that's all. It wouldn't be gold, would it? Answer me. Is it gold? Why don't you find out? On my way in here, I saw that there's been some recent diggings in this mine. When I examined it, I saw that you struck a vein of pure gold. That's why you've tried to frighten people away. You're stealing this gold from a mine that does not belong to you. Yeah? What can you do about it? I can turn you over to the authorities. All of you. On charges of larceny. And murder. Listen, Shadow, you've gone far enough, see? You ain't telling us what to do. Nobody is. We've been prepared for just such a happening as this. Well prepared. There's enough dynamite planted in this mine to blow the whole world, hard in a skyrocket. No, no, don't use the dynamite. (laughs) Shut up, Betty. Maybe we can't see you, Shadow, but when I pull the switch, you'll die just like the rest of us. Hey, he,
2: he don't
4: know what he's saying,
1: Shadow. I don't, huh? let's pull the switch and see. No, stop him. Don't touch that switch. Let me go. You hear me, Shadow? Let us go. Look out. You're knocking over the land <laughs> Well, you can't see me now either, Shadow. The fight is on even terms. Come on. Where are you? Margo. Come with me quickly. Can you hear me? We're going to try to get out of here. Well, where are you, Shadow? Are you afraid of me? <laughs> are you? Cut it out, will you? If you pull that switch, you'll kill all of us. Shut up.
4: Why don't you try to stop me? Pulling the switch now, Shadow, huh?
1: Wait a minute. Where's that girl?
2: Must have made a
1: break. And I'm going to do the Ah, Me too. Oh, no, you don't. No one is getting out of here alive.
2: Lamont.
1: I'm right here, Margot. Well, I made it just in time. Are you all right?
2: Yes. But those people, those people we left in the mine.
1: They're buried in there. There's nothing we can do. Uh-huh. Awful.
2: Lamar, how did you know where to look for them?
1: <laughs> Very simple, Margot. You remember how we followed the movements of the ghost by recalling the verses of the Alvarez and Carmenita song? Yes. Well, I finally remember the fourth verse. It tells of how Alvarez fled to the single-ace mine on the hillside. I played the hunch that they were sticking to the song and came here.
2: Lamont, from now on, man and boy, that's my favorite melody.
1: Friends, you want to hear next week's unusually thrilling Shadow Story when Lamont and Margot venture into Voodoo Land to solve the weird mystery of the trouble. I wonder if you can help us, sir. We're looking for the Nesbitt Plantation. Nesbitt? Yes. Nesbitt Plantation? Yes, yes. Keep away. Keep away from there. Keep over. Come back here.
2: Come back. Lamont, did you see his face? Do you suppose he was a, a zombie? <laughs>
1: Of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime
0: does not pay. The shadow knows. (laughs) Stay tuned for Our Miss Brooks next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Eve Arden to star as Our Miss Brooks. CBS presents Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden.
6: Brooks is a schoolteacher. To be specific, she teaches English at Madison High. Connie Brooks is pretty enthusiastic about her work, too. In fact, in her own
0: words.
7: Although teaching isn't the most profitable career in the world, you must admit the hours are appalling. But there's always my secret heartthrob, Mr. Boynton. He's the biology teacher at school. And a sweeter, more intelligent scientist never brushed off an English teacher to play footsie with a frog. But he'll come around... Even a biology teacher must sooner or later get a little biological. Meanwhile, I can dream, can't I?
6: Yes, Connie Brooks can dream. Even now, she's in the middle of the sweetest dream of them all. The one that comes right before 7 a.m.
7: Hold me closer, Mr. Boynton. There. Now kiss me. Oh... How does that make you feel? That's what it does to me, too.
3: I'll shut it off. Miss Brooks, you'll be late. Kiss me again, Mr. Boynton. Miss Brooks, you have to go to school. For this, I
7: don't have to go to school. Oh.
3: Oh. Good morning.
7: Well, if it isn't my favorite landlady. Oh, good morning, Mrs. Davis.
3: What in the world were you dreaming about? Oh, nothing much. Just the school. I was giving an English lesson. Well, from the way your lips were puckered, I thought you were taking a bugle lesson. (laughs) Better get up, dear. Today's the day you're supposed to find out about that new job as head of the English department from your new principal. Oh, that's right, Mrs. Davis. For three years I've been waiting for that job. Three years of
7: scrimping and scraping to get along. Now it's all going to be different. With this raise, I'll be able to run down to Miami once in a while, and after I've had the job a while, I might even go abroad.
3: Paris, the Riviera, Biarritz in the spring, the casino at Monte Carlo. Just how much more money does this new job pay, Miss Brooks? Six dollars a month. (laughs) You better watch your step at Monte Carlo. Money goes pretty fast down there. Money goes fast anywhere. I haven't been able to catch any for years. Now hurry and get dressed, dear. I have a lovely surprise for your breakfast. Another one of your surprise recipes, Mrs. Davis? I
7: hope it's not clam fritters again. You see, dear. Come along.
3: Here you are, dear. Here's your surprise. Armenian pancakes. They've been setting for five days. What else could they do? I mean in goat's milk. It takes five days for it to get good and sour. Sour goat's milk? Here, try a bite off this fork. Don't pay any attention to the smell. Oh, please, Mrs. Davis, no. Well, just one bite. Tell the truth now. Aren't they delicious?
7: I don't want to hurt your feelings, Mrs. Davis. But if I were the goat responsible for this concoction, I would hang myself by my own beard. (laughs) If you don't mind, I'll have to pass up the
3: pancakes. But, Miss Brooks, it's a crime to throw out these pancakes. What's the crime? Carrying concealed weapons? (laughs) You've got to have some breakfast. Could I squeeze you a persimmon or two? (laughs) No, thanks. I'll grab a kumquat on
7: my way to work. (laughs) Hey, it's funny Walter Denton isn't here yet. He knows I wanted to get to school a little early this morning and meet the new principal. Rather convenient to have one of your pupils drive you around. Yes, my Chevy's still in the shop. I had a little accident Saturday. I ran into a parked car. Oh, that's too bad. I hope you reported it to the police. I didn't have to. They were sitting in the car.
3: (laughs) Oh, that's good. I'll get it. Thomas oh, Miss Brooks. Come in, Walter. Well, Walter Denton, how you've shot up since I saw you last. You saw me yesterday, Mrs. Uh, Davis. My, how time flies.
8: <laughs> Come on, Walter, I've got to get down early. The new principal takes over today. What's his name, dear?
3: Uh, Mr. Conklin, Osgood Conklin. Osgood Conklin? Why, I've known him for years. We went to school together. Really, Mrs. Davis? What kind of a man is he, anyway? Well, the other children used to call him Stoneface because he never laughed. Oh, fine. Well, I shouldn't say never. I did hand him a laugh one time when we were out ice skating. He was practically in hysterics. What happened? I broke my leg. (laughs) He sounds about as friendly
7: as a subpoena. (laughs)
9: Correct any nonsense of this new school, Martha, or my name isn't Osgood Conklin. I've heard all about their lack of principle and discipline, and I won't have it. Do you hear? No one is going to interfere with my making Madison High a well run school. No one. If anyone gets in my way, I'll crush them, step on them like so many ants, squash them. That's nice. Pass the marmalade, dear. And help yourself to some more toast. I hate toast. As I was saying, Martha, I'm sure that the faculty at Madison High is totally incompetent. Oh, please, Osgood, you mustn't let it irk you. Irk? Irk? Drink a little water, dear. It'll go away. (laughs) No understanding, no cooperation. Nobody knows what a difficult job I'm faced with. It's awful.
3: Awful! Please, Osgood, can't you talk without barking? Honestly, sometimes I think Prince is the only one who can really understand
9: you. Prince? Prince? Don't mention that lazy mutt to me. Look at him over there. Dead to the world. Well, it's getting late. Now, where's my hat? Confound it, where's my hat? Please, dear, don't bark. I'm not barking, Martha. Once and for all,
3: I don't bark. See? He does understand you. Now, be sure to drive carefully on your way to school. Oh, don't tell me how
9: to drive the car.
3: I'm not, dear. It's just that after all the work you put in, polishing it on Sunday, I'd hate to see you.
9: Stop worrying. I did the work, didn't I? Ah, look at her out there. Nothing takes a wax polish like a black touring car.
3: Well, good, you'd better get started. You don't want to set a bad example for your new teacher.
9: I'll show them a thing or two. I'll show them... Oh, shut up, Prince. Goodbye,
8: Martha. Before we get to school, Miss Brooks, there's something I'd like to talk to you about. It's a girl. Naturally. Who is it this time, Walter? She's the baker's daughter, Penelope Miller. When I kissed her for the first time the other night, I knew she was different.
7: But, Walter, you've kissed a lot of girls. What's so different about Penelope Miller? She tastes like caraway seeds. (laughs) Oh, grand. She's probably built like a pumpernickel. Now, look, Walter, I've got a lot on my mind today, what with trying to make a good impression on the new principal. Well, all
8: I want you to do is help me write her a letter, Miss Brooks. You see, she doesn't think that I'm mental enough. I can't understand it. And I figured, well, you being an English teacher as well as a woman, well, you'd know how to make her think I was brainy. You know, intelligent. I hate to trade on just my sheer animal magnetism. You know what I mean? (laughs) Well, you are a little beastly in spots, Walter.
5: (laughs) Don't blame
7: yourself. Penelope just doesn't appreciate yet
8: that a man is a thing to be treasured. When will she appreciate it? When she gets to be my age. Oh, I couldn't wait that long, Miss Brooks.
5: What?
8: Oh, I'm sorry, Miss Brooks. I guess I'm not very mental at that, but you will help me out, won't you? I'll come over to Mrs. Davis's tonight, and we'll write a letter together. What do you say? Well, I don't know, Walter.
7: Walter! Look out! That car! What car? That big black touring car! Big black touring car? (laughs) It's not quite as big as it was.
9: Young idiot. Why don't you watch where you. My fenders. My shining fenders lying in the gutter.
7: Walter, put the man's fenders back
8: on. <laughs> oh, gee, mister, I didn't you mean. You didn't it. mean. Why didn't you look where you were going? Well, gosh, it takes two to make an accident. A brilliant observation. <laughs>
9: but it just happens that I was only going 15 miles an hour. You should have been going 30. We'd have missed you by a block. <laughs> Now, see here, you red-haired joyrider. It was probably your fault. My fault? Why don't you learn how to drive that hopped-up hearse of yours? <laughs> hopped-up hearse? Now, listen here, young woman. I've tried to control my temper.
7: But if you want to play rough, I can get plenty rough. Walter, I've got to run along. I'll leave you to straighten out barking boy. <laughs> barking boy? That's the
9: second time today I've been accused of barking. Young woman, I'll have you know I do not bark. Ruff, ruff.
7: Who's your friend? Go
5: home, Prince!
7: Well, classes haven't started yet. Let me see. Pick up my mail first, and then... Oh, hello, Mr. Boynton.
10: Hello, Miss Brooks.
7: Isn't it a coincidence that we're in the same mailbox?
10: Not an overwhelming coincidence. You see, your last name begins with the same letter mine does.
7: Well, that's a start. <laughs> you have such a quick mind, Mr. Boynton.
10: Well, it is thorough.
7: Personally, I think you tax it too much. Don't you think you need more recreation, if you know what I mean?
10: Well, carrying on my biology experiments is recreation enough. You don't know what I mean. <laughs> of course, I also collect stamps.
7: Oh, that sounds exciting. There's no end to the possibilities. <laughs> have you ever tried your hand at beadwork?
10: Well, No, I don't believe I have. Is it fun?
7: Fun? Why, it makes you just tingle all over.
10: (laughs) We must string a few together sometime. Mm
7: -hmm. And basket weaving can be thrilling, too. Really? Yes, if we're both in the same basket. (laughs) Well, so much for the world of sports.
10: (laughs) Uh, Miss Brooks, if you don't mind my changing the subject, are you going to be busy tonight?
7: Busy? Me? Me? Mr. Boynton, I couldn't be unbusier.
10: Well, I'd I'd like to come over after dinner. That is, if we can be alone.
7: Alone? We'll be absolutely isolated. (laughs) I hope you don't think I'm too forward, Mr. Boynton, but I've anticipated this moment for quite a while. Remember the day about five years ago when I first came to Madison High, rounded a turn in the corridor and bumped smack into you?
10: Oh, yes. I was teaching chemistry then. You put quite a dent in my Bunsen burner.
7: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, that was the day I first suspected that we'd be more to each other than just fellow faculty members.
10: And when were your suspicions confirmed, Miss Brooks?
7: On our very next date, when you took me to lunch. Two years later. (laughs) Gad, you were a fast worker.
10: I don't blame you for kidding me, Miss Brooks. I guess I'm not much of a whirlwind romantically. then most scientific people aren't. You see... The study of evolution alone tends to slow down any of the mere intemperate reflexes.
5: Mm-hmm.
10: You must realize that a tremendous period of time was involved before the single cell divided itself in the sea and adapted itself to the land and the air. Mm-hmm. Countless centuries passed before lower forms of life assumed their new shapes, generations before the mammal family produced the ape family, and before the ape family produced the human family.
7: What have you been waiting for me to do? Slip back a notch? <laughs>
6: Well, uh, what time do you think you'll be able to come over tonight, Uh, Mr. Boynton? Ah, Mr. Boynton, Miss Brooks, let us not tarry. Your new principal, Mr. Conklin, is due at any moment. Oh,
10: we'll be sorry to see you go, Mr. Darwell.
7: Yes, you've been a wonderful principal, Mr. Darwell. Why did the Board of Education decide to have you transferred?
6: Ours not to reason why. Ours but to teach and (laughs) die. As the great Socrates so aptly phrased it, if you've got to go, you've got to (laughs) go. Of course, I am genuinely sorry to leave old Madison High, but then we're teachers, and teachers can't afford sentiment.
7: We can't afford anything. <laughs> as the great Professor Einstein so aptly phrased it, murder, ain't it? <laughs> you know, I still hope I can land that job as head of the English department, though. Well,
6: that will depend upon the impression you make on Mr. Conklin. I'm taking him on a tour of inspection as soon as he arrives, Miss Brooks. Your class will be the first one visited. Oh, the first class visited? Oh, gosh, Mr.
7: Boynton, if I'm to impress Conklin, I'll have to hurry and get things in order i better go in and erase the children and see that the blackboards aren't throwing spitballs.
10: Poor Miss Brooks, you're a bundle of nerves. You you look sort of faint. Here, I'll put my arms around you until you steady yourself.
7: Oh, no, you won't, Mr. Boynton. Just because you happen to catch me at a weak moment, I'm not letting you put your arms around me. My father told me about men like you.
10: Then why are you putting your arms around me?
7: My mother told me about men like you, too. (laughs) Now, class, please let me have your attention. Uh, as many of you know, our, our new principal, Mr. Osgood Conklin, takes over his duties today. So, if he should drop in here at any time, there's no reason for any of us to be nervous, self-conscious, or head of the English department. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean we'll just go on in our normal manner. Now, to take up where we left off yesterday...
6: Uh, yes. Pardon me, Miss Brooks, but Mr. Conklin and I just happened to be passing by. And... Oh, why,
7: come right in, Mr. Darwell. Uh,
6: this way, Mr. Conklin. Thank you. Mr. Conklin,
9: this is our Miss Brooks. How do you do, Miss Brooks? Glad to make your acquaintance minute. Oh,
7: thanks, Mr. Conklin. Glad to make your acquaintance minute, too. Oh, you two have met? We sort of ran into each other this morning.
9: Ah, well, this is the young lady in the accident I told you about. Uh, oh, oh, well, uh, Mr. Conklin, I have an idea. Why don't we skip English and drop in on the... Now that I know just who Miss Brooks is, I'm particularly interested in watching her conduct her class. Go right on, Miss Brooks.
7: Well, all right, Mr. Conklin. Uh, <clears throat> now, class, I'm going to read some lines to you, which I'd like you to... I mean, that I'd like you to... Uh, well, I want you to tell me whom... No who? Uh I'd uh, I'd like the name of the author of the following stuff.
5: <laughs>
7: Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I come to bury Conklin not to praise him. Uh, that is to bury Caesar. Hand, please? No hands? You've all got them, you know. <laughs> Just look at the ends of your sleeves. <laughs> Oh, there's a hand. Winona. I can always depend on Winona. Who wrote those lines, Winona?
5: I don't know. I just want to leave the room. <laughs> Never
7: mind the blindfold, Captain. Just give me a cigarette. <laughs>
10: Come in, Miss Brooks. How is everything?
7: Well, frankly, Mr. Boynton, I'm a little tired. I just lost two out of three falls to Mr. Conklin.
10: Oh, you've met the new principal, eh? What's he like?
7: He looks like he was weaned on a vinegar popsicle. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Boynton, I just dropped by to see what time you're coming over tonight. Tonight? Yes, one of my students is stopping by for a few minutes. I've, I've promised to write an intellectual letter for him to a girlfriend he's trying to impress, Penelope Miller.
10: Penelope Miller.
7: Yes, she tastes like caraway seeds. If you could just let me know what time you're coming over. Well,
10: uh, I'm not sure about tonight at all right now. I'm quite worried about Violet. Violet? Yes, the the white mouse I use in some of my experiments. Steady, Violet, dear. Steady, dear. I'm just going to hold you for a minute.
7: Mr. Boynton, if you could You know, I,
10: I don't like the feel of her stomach.
7: Mr. Boynton... It's lumpy. Well, Mr. Boynton, you told me this morning. Oh, frankly, Miss
10: Brooks, at that time I didn't know about Violet's condition. You, you understand, I have to.
7: I know. You have to sit up with a lumpy mouse.
10: <laughs> well, she's terribly peaked lately. I don't know what it is. I think I'd better have a look at her cage. Hold me a minute. Will you hear?
9: <coughs> Miss Brooks, you dropped Violet! She attacked me! Miss Brooks! <coughs> Miss Brooks, get down off that desk. I can't. Oh, I see her. She's under that- She's under the table. Get her! I'll get her if you just stop that screaming. And
6: let go of your skirts. And this, Mr. Compton, is our biology laboratory. (laughs) Why, Miss Brooks, what are you doing on that desk? And where is Mr. Boynton?
7: He's under the table with Violet.
6: (laughs) With Violet?
9: So that's what goes on in the biology laboratory of Madison High. Oh, but, Mr. Conklin, I'm sure... So am I very sure. Come, Mr. Darwell. I'll be back when Violet is out from under the table.
10: Oh, no. I've got her, Miss Brooks. Poor thing was scared to death. Here, and look at her. Isn't she sweet? Isn't Violet a beauty?
7: She's ravishing. And may I tell you something else, Mr. Boynton? What's that? You make a lovely couple.
9: Hello, principal's office. Osgood Conklin speaking. Who's calling, please?
5: Oh, no, I won't over.
9: Mrs. Davis. Margaret Davis. Oh yes, the girl I used to go ice skating with. Ha, ha, ha. How's your leg?
5: What's that? You want
9: me to come over to dinner? Well, I'm afraid <laughs> I... You uh, say there's a teacher living with you that you want me to meet. A Miss Brooks. Well, I'd like... Miss Brooks! Now, look here, Margaret. I've already met that redhead.
2: Mr. Conklin. Hold the
9: phone,
3: Margaret. Uh, Yes? I'm Matilda Denton of the school board. I have reason to suspect that my boy Walter, a pupil at this institution, has fallen into the clutches of one of your female teachers. What? Yes. He told me that he had a date with the woman tonight at her home. Uh Uh-huh. And here, this note fell out of his pocket when he came home from school. Let
9: me read that, please. At last, I've got what I want. Red hair and a tough, sturdy body. Red hair. Good heavens!
3: Well, Mr. Conklin, have you any idea who this nefarious woman might be?
9: Yes, I have, Mrs. Denton.
3: Pardon me. Hello, are you still there,
9: Mrs. Davis?
5: (laughs) No. No,
9: I haven't been to a Turkish bath. Now, listen. I have reconsidered. I shall be delighted to dine this evening with you and... uh, Miss Brooks,
3: Mr. Conklin, I'll give you just twenty-four hours to find out who my boy is traipsing around with. Listen, Missus Denton. Listen, Missus Davis. You'll get to the bottom of this matter quickly, or there'll be a new principal here at Madison High.
5: Quiet, both of you! Don't you bark at me! I'm not barking. Please <laughs> 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 go home. <laughs>
3: good. how did you like your dinner?
9: Very interesting, Mrs. Davis. I've never tasted this kind of meat before. Just what is it?
3: It's our usual Monday night supper, seal burgers.
5: <laughs>
3: I'll take these dishes into the kitchen and see about the coffee. I make Bulgarian coffee, you know. It's strained through a grapefruit rind.
7: <laughs>
9: now then, Miss Brooks, let's get right to the point, huh? What would you think of a teacher who would allow a student to become infatuated with her and then lead him on?
7: I'd think she was pretty terrible, Mr. Conklin. Who's the teacher? Well,
9: we haven't any positive proof, but the boy's name is Walter Denton.
7: Well, I think they both ought to be arrested. Walter Denton?
9: Yes, Miss Brooks. You can't deny that you were
7: in the car with young Denton this morning? But he was just giving me a lift until my car is fixed. I never see the boy at any other time.
9: Are you sure about that, Miss Brooks? Oh, I'm
7: positive, Mr. Conklin. (laughs) Must be my laundry. Your laundry at 8 p.m.? I deal with the owl laundry. They only come out at night. (laughs) Excuse me, Mr. Conklin. I'll be back in a minute. All right, Miss Brooks.
8: Hi, Miss Brooks, I
7: keep you waiting. Yes, but not long enough. Look, Walter, would you come back some other time? Come t-
8: on, let's get into the living room. No, Walter, no. I'm anxious to get that letter
7: started. Oh, not so loud, Walter. Mr. Conklin is in the dining room. Oh, the new principal? Yes, and if he finds you here tonight, we'll both enough be out of no,
5: good. On... We'll
3: have our coffee in the living room. Hi, Margaret.
7: Quick, Walter, hide. Get behind those curtains behind the window. Yeah, but I'll explain later. Get in back of them. <laughs> Who was it that
3: rang, dear?
7: Oh, it was just a wrong number, Mrs. Davis. On the doorbell? I mean the wrong
3: house number. You seem quite nervous, dear. Oh, I'm all right. Come and get some coffee. It'll calm you down. Thank you. The Bulgarians drink it flat on their back, you know. (laughs) I'll be flat on my back any minute, and I wish I was in Bulgaria.
7: Why, you're trembling like a leaf, Miss Brooks, and you're all
3: flushed. Well, it is rather warm in here, don't you think? If it isn't too much trouble, Osgood, would you mind pulling back those curtains and opening the window? Oh, no, not the curtains. No
7: trouble at
9: all. I'd be only too happy to open the
7: window. And I'll be only too happy to jump out of it. There we are. Well, where is he? What's become of him? What's
3: become of who? Bobby Breen. <laughs> he used to send me. Come on over to the couch, Connie. You're still overwrought. Well, thank you. I Lay uh... right down here, dear. Oh, no, thank I'll you. I'll get I... you a it's... pillow. You know, I keep pillows in the window seat just for emergencies. Oh. I always say you never know when you need them. By hello, Walter. Here you are, Miss <laughs> Breen. <laughs> yourself... Margaret, Margaret, what's the matter? Walter Denton, come out of my window seat.
9: Aha, just as I thought. Miss Brooks, where are you going?
3: I thought I'd run down to the Belgian
9: Congo for the weekend. (laughs) Sit down, Miss Brooks. Young man, what were you doing in that window seat? If you'll only give me a chance, Mr. Conklin, I can
7: explain Go
9: ahead. What were you doing in there? Hiding
8: Walter, tell them just why you came here tonight. Well, I came here to see Miss Brooks. I thought we'd be alone. Oh-ho! Oh, no. Well, she was only going to help me write a letter to my girlfriend. I see.
9: Now, let's hear you explain this, Miss Brooks. Here, read this page from Walter's diary.
7: Mine? What is this? At last, I've got what I want. Red
8: hair and what a tough, sturdy body... Walter! I wish everybody would stop saying Walter. Look, this isn't even my writing. Here, look at the other side. See, that's my biology notes from yesterday. I asked Mr. Boynton to loan me a piece of
3: paper. Mr. Boynton wrote that? Miss Brooks, don't you get it? Get what? Red hair. It's you he's writing about. Mr. Boynton?
7: Me? Just what he wanted? Tough and sturdy body. (laughs) Well, no, I, I am strong. <laughs> Surely you're not
10: pleased, Miss Brooks.
7: I'm, I'm not? I mean, I'm not. Oh, Mr. B- I... Mister Boynton.
10: I thought you said we were going to be alone, Miss Brooks. You too.
7: What's happening around here? <laughs> Haven't you heard? I've been made queen for a day. <laughs>
10: Boynton, I'd like to know whether you wrote this or not. Well, let me see it, sir. Yes, I wrote it. It was supposed to go into my diary. What's wrong with it, anyway? She is strong, and I did work hard to get her.
7: Oh, Mr. Boynton, please, not in front of everybody.
10: It took 23 generations of crossbreeding to get a red-backed mouse like that.
9: Red-backed mouse? Mouse? Amazing.
7: (laughs) Miss Brooks, I'm afraid I've done you a grave injustice. You most certainly have, Mr. Conklin. You've placed your own meaning on unfortunate incidents. But I... You've accused me of misconduct with no proof whatsoever, and you've acted in general like a narrow, bigoted, unfair person. But, Miss Brooks... Mr. Conklin, I never want to see or talk to you again as long as I live.
9: Not even about the job as head of the English department?
7: Mr. Conklin, I've done you a grave injustice. (laughs) Let's sit down on the love seat and
8: talk this thing over, huh?
9: Yes. Well, we'll take it up first thing in the morning, Miss Brooks. I've got to be getting home now. Come on, Walter. We'll take the bus together.
8: Oh, we don't have to take the bus, Mr. Conklin. I've got my car outside. Your car? After our collision this morning? Oh, after I left you, I hit another car and everything snapped back into place. Well, good night, all. Good night, Walter. Good night.
7: Good night, Walter. Good night. Good night,
10: Mr. Conklin. Good night,
7: Mr. Conklin. Well, now there's just the three of us, Mr. Boynton. Mrs. Davis and you and I. Gee, it's a beautiful night. Look at that moonlight streaming through the windows. If one would take a hint, there'd just be two of us. Two of us and one sofa. I said, if one would take a hint, there'd just be two of us. Well, here we are, just the two of us. Good. How about a little gin
3: rummy?
5: (laughs) That's the deal.
7: Mrs. Davis, three across, but I'd rather have lost to Mr. Boynton. He's certainly naive, my little biology boy, but though he's shy, he's glad of I, and I'm sure he'll soon realize that the greatest thing he'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. <laughs>
6: Miss Brooks starring Eve Arden is produced and directed by Larry Burns. Tonight's script was written by Al Lewis with music by Wilbur Hatch. Next week at the same time, Columbia will again present another adventure in the far from placid life of our Miss Brooks starring Eve Arden. Bob Stevenson speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. <laughs>
0: Thank you very much for listening. I hope you'll be along with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joe Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air.